this morning uh, will be in the book of John, uh, chapter 8. Uh, the book of John, uh, chapter 8, is where we'll be at this morning. I, I sort of was studying, trying to, uh, I guess, maybe get in the holiday spirit. we got Christmas coming up, so uh, I believe last year we spent almost a month focusing on Jesus, uh, almost every message, and I said, I kind of want to do something similar to that again, but I just... I studied and I just had nothing for so long. I said, I give up. I can't do what I want. Uh, so, uh, Lord, being our helper this morning, we'll preach uh, what God has given us. But uh, John uh, chapter 8, if you would, when you get to John chapter 8, please stand uh, to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 8. And we'll start reading with verse 1. John chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Jesus went, up, went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We uh, thank you for your spirit. We thank you for forgiveness, Lord. We thank you for the love that you've shown in our lives. And as continue to bless us, Lord, continue to watch over these scriptures. Lord, I pray that you'll take these scriptures that we've read uh, this morning in our hearing, Lord, that it may be uh, a light, Lord, to us, that we may uh, draw closer to you. Lord, I, I thank you for these holiday seasons that we have, the, uh, the reason for the season, which is Jesus Christ. We thank you for that blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you for that uh, little babe that was born there into a virgin, Lord, that died for our sins. We, we thank you for the, the life that you've blessed us with, and Lord, I pray that you continue to use us this morning. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be seated now. In, uh, in this particular piece of Scripture in John chapter 8, uh, we read 1 through 11 this morning, we, we see a very familiar piece of text. We see Jesus about to encounter a bunch of toxic uh, religious leaders. And we can see that multiple times in Scriptures that Jesus has to face. Uh, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, uh, the religious leaders was somebody that Jesus had to put up with uh, and multiple times. And Jesus went to a temple early that morning. Uh, and we can see in Scripture that He's teaching the Scripture uh, uh, to the crowd. Now, uh, suddenly we see the scribes and the Pharisees uh, storm into the temple, uh, bringing a woman behind them. Uh, 
uh, I like to think that they maybe even squeezed through the crowd. They were maybe violent on their way into the temple. Uh, uh, they forced the woman to stand in the midst of everybody for them to look upon her. And then they said to Jesus in so many ways, they said, Teacher, uh, this woman here was caught in the very act of adultery. She was caught in the middle of something uh, uh, that the Word of God says, that the law of Moses says, uh, uh, that we should stone her, that we should kill her, uh, that she should be punished for what she's done. Uh, and, and in so many ways, uh, they say that. Then they say, uh, uh, what do you say, Jesus? Uh, what do you think we should do? Now, uh, in other words, they're saying to Jesus, uh, what are you going to do about it? Uh, we've caught this woman in the act. Uh, we know that she's a sinner. We know that she's got these issues. Uh, now, Jesus, uh, we want to know what you're going to do about this situation. Now, uh, we all have things that has happened to us in our lives. We have all, uh, I don't believe there's a soul in here that can say that you're blameless, that you have never had issues, uh, that you have never sinned, uh, that you've never fell short. Uh, I could line up the Ten Commandments this morning. Uh, I don't believe we'd get through anybody here and say you've never broke one of those commandments in some sort of way. Uh, uh, you haven't broke some sort of law uh, that the Old Testament has in it. Uh, and I'll tell you quickly uh, that you cannot change your past. You cannot. Now, I'd love to be able to go back in time. Uh, my little old boy is fascinated with some superpowers and things like that. And he, he quizzes us sometimes. He Daddy, if you had a superpower, what would you like to be able to do? And of course, hey, uh, I'd like to be able to control time. I would. Uh, what better superpower than to be able to stop time, go back in time, change things, come back, uh, and, and see how much better you can make things. We'd like to be able to control our lives uh, in the extent that we know what's going to happen from the things that we do. And most of us even know sometimes what we're doing will not help us in the end, but we do them anyway. But we make mistakes. Now this woman here uh, was caught here in the very act of adultery. And I want to tell you something, no matter what kind of act or what kind of law you've broken, what kind of sin you've had in your life, you cannot change your past. Now, there's no sense in sitting around and regretting the things that you've done. There's not. Uh, there is no sense in sitting around and loathing and, and being in despair because of the things you've done in your life. Yes, you should be ashamed of some things, but in so many ways we have to get up and change our life from that point forward. We can't go back and change. Uh, people dwell and people focus on so many things that are yesterday when we should focus on now or we should focus on forward. The church is guilty of this in so many ways. I can say this because I've been in church for 33 years. And there are churches that dwell on what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And don't focus on now and going forward. You may have served behind bars. You may have had children out of wedlock. You may have gone through a nasty divorce. You may have raised your children wrong. I don't care what we can hit on today. You have regrets. We have issues, but we can't focus on what's happened. You cannot change your mistakes. You cannot change what you've done. And often we cannot fix what we've done either. We try to, but often we can't fix it. But I want you to understand something about your mistakes. There's somebody that loves your mistakes. I'm telling you, church, there is somebody that loves the mistakes that you've made, and that is Satan. 
Satan loves them. Satan loves your mistakes more than you could ever think about them. He's going to bring them up more than you could ever imagine. As you try to make your life better, no doubt that Satan is going to be there to bring up what you've done, how you've lived, how you've spoken, everything about your life that is wrong and you know that it's wrong. I don't have to point out each and everybody here. You've got sins, you've got mistakes, and guess what? I know that Satan has brought those things up to you. I know he has. He does it to me constantly. You know why? Because i got plenty of things to bring up. I say, Zach, you know you did this wrong. Yeah, I know, Satan. You don't have to remind me. We go through being constantly brought up and reminded by Satan. Uh, uh, but I want you to know something, that Jesus won't do that kind of stuff. Satan's the one that brings up those kind of things. In Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What is that trying to say to us there in the book of Luke 10, 19? You shall tread upon scorpions and serpents. It ain't telling you to go out and step on an actual snake or scorpion. It's trying to tell you that those things, those things that are trying to bite you, those things that are trying to hurt you in life, just walk all over them. Satan will try to hurt you, but he is nothing but the dust on your feet. You can step on him and keep going through life. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Uh, I learned uh, at a young age that I know that I will make mistakes and life is hard. Children, my goodness, I didn't think they were that hard. I didn't. Me being such an angel as a child, I thought that they were just so easy, okay? And I realized every day, this is no joke. And I look back, and my little old boy seven years old, and I said, I've made seven years of mistakes. I've done this wrong, this wrong. Maybe we should have did this with this. And Leela, you know, she's growing up. And I said, well, did I do this wrong with Leela? And then I look at my marriage. We're coming up on ten years. What have I done wrong in my marriage? A weekly? Daily? What have I done wrong? I look at my work and my career. What have I done wrong? I looked at as being a child and my parents. How have I served my parents wrong? We can analyze things all day long of what we've done wrong. And we can focus. I can focus my whole life on things I've done wrong. And Lord help you. I know y'all are perfect. But I think y'all could probably look back and say, Man, he's just 33. And he's got a lot more things wrong with him than I do. But we've got things we've done wrong it says here that nothing shall by any means hurt you i'll say it again to you church you've made bad choices you've made mistakes satan knows them he's gonna throw them at you and in these times when we face these hard times when satan throws them back up in our face I'll have to ask you the same as the Pharisees asked Jesus, what are you going to do about it? That really is the answer to the question. We all have sinned. We've all fell short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. Uh, uh, This woman had made a mistake. The Pharisees, no doubt, were, were sinful men that made mistakes, but they have to ask themselves, and we do too, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do? Now, if we go back to the main text, we'll see in verse 6, if you read that verse... It says it was a trap. The woman that was brought before Jesus the, the, in, the, in the act of adultery, it says very plainly that they brought him to him that it may trick him. We've got him. In so many ways, they brought this woman here, and, he, and they, they knew that they were going to be able to maybe trick Jesus, but I love, I love how Jesus responded. 
I love how he responded here, okay? We see him stoop down and put his finger in the dirt. And boy, you know, that's been preached, I bet you, 20, 30, 100,000 different ways of what he did, what he wrote. I don't want to mislead you on what he wrote. We don't know what he wrote. It doesn't say what he wrote. And I don't want to let, make you believe what I think is what he wrote because I don't know. But I think back to the very first piece of Scripture that the finger of God did something. When the finger of God, which is the finger of Jesus Christ, the finger of God went to some, to some tablets up on a mountainside with Moses, and what did it do? It wrote the Ten Commandments upon some stone. That's the first place that we see the finger of God do something. If we go forward to here, we see once again the finger of God stooped down and doing something else. Here with this woman that was caught in adultery, and I don't know what he was writing, I don't, but I'd like to think he went right back to the, maybe the first thing he did with the finger of God. He might have started writing out the commandments. He might have started writing, honor your father your mother. Don't covet. Don't murder. Remember the Sabbath. Don't steal. He started going through those ten, and I don't know what he wrote, but I'd like to think it was very, something very similar. He maybe wrote some things, he maybe drawn some pictures and so on, but that same holy finger was manifest in the flesh and he started writing on the ground. I, <laughs> it ought to just make you tremble a little bit to think about the holy finger of God stooping down, writing something in that dirt, drawing something in that dirt. Now, when they brought that woman, I, I want you to realize what she had done. They caught her in adultery. Why, oh why? Did the Pharisees choose somebody that had committed a sexual sin? Why? They could have found a thief almost on any corner, couldn't they? They could have caught thieves any day of the week. They could have caught all kinds of people, murderers, the thieves, cutthroats, backbiters, the whatever you want to think of. We can bring out the law, the, the hundreds of laws people could have broke. But they brought in somebody that had committed adultery. Why? So they could look at it. So it could be difficult. They chose somebody in adultery because a sexual sin is something that's highly debated. A sexual sin is somebody, is something, excuse me, that is very difficult for everybody to agree on. They said, we've got Jesus now. We can't agree on this. These people can't agree on this. We're going to bring something that even today is something very difficult for the church to discuss, for the church to say, we want to decide this. If you look across the denominations, uh, there's almost multiple reasons we have different denominations and almost every one of them see sexual sin differently uh, uh, for certain instances. <laughs> he bent down uh, and we see him riding in the dirt. Forever and forever on to the end of time, the church will have a hard time approaching sexual sins. No doubt Jesus was no different. They brought him to him, and boy, today we have all kinds of sexual sins the church has to take a stance on, or we personally have to take a stance on. We have divorce, we have cohabitation, we have remarrying, we have birth control, we have abortion, we have homosexuality, we have all these sexual sins and problems uh, that the church has a hard time taking a stance on, saying what's right and what's wrong. But when the Son of God was questioned, what did He do? 
He stopped. You know, he was teaching, right? He stopped what he was doing. He stooped down on the ground. He started riding in the dirt. What do we see Jesus do? We see Jesus, when he's questioned with a, a sin like this, he stops. There's silence. He doesn't say anything. In so many ways, I don't believe Jesus needed any time to say anything back. He's the Son of God. I believe He could have immediately gave them the answer that He wanted to give them, but He stopped and waited. Just as we should. When we see difficult things, when we understand some of the, the difficult situations that we will face, we need to stop and we need to think. The crowd was going crazy. They wanted an answer. If you go back in the Scripture, they say they're asking, asking them over and over. Hey, tell us the answer. Don't make us wait. How difficult it must have been to catch this woman in the very act of adultery. Do y'all not realize what happened to catch her in the middle of the act of adultery? They literally burst into the doors, I'd assume, or, or looked through a window. They caught her. They said, hey, let's go get this woman. We've got her, and we're going to go get Jesus too. I went in there and got I can't imagine the Pharisees wanted an answer right then. Uh, they knew, according to the law, that Jesus was going to have to condemn her. Do y'all realize that? They knew that she would be condemned because of what she did. Can you find anywhere in Scripture that Jesus condemned somebody uh, face to face? He said, there's nothing you can do. You've done this horrible thing. You need to be stoned. You need to die. You won't find that in Scripture anywhere. And surely they thought, here, we're going to catch this guy. And he's going to say, this is so bad, she's going to have to die. What's even sadder is, is the people didn't realize. The people that brought her, the Pharisees that brought her in, didn't realize that she was being brought to the safest place she would ever be brought. She was brought to the feet of Jesus. Do y'all realize that that is the safest place we will ever be? No matter what you're going through in life, if you want to feel safe, go to Jesus. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to persecute you. He's not going to throw up the things from your past. I'm going to tell you, the people that will throw up the things of your past is just like the people in this story. It's the people in the church a lot of times that will throw up your past. Jesus will not throw up your past. He, he, you know, there's so many things. She was in the presence of Jesus and I want you to realize and think about the things in her life, the adultery, the problems, and we don't know all the situations that she was facing. And I want you to realize that the man that she was committing adultery with wasn't found in the Scripture, which is quite amusing to me. They didn't bring the man in. Should have been stoned too. But they brought this woman in this situation here. The devil had her beat in sin. And she ended up in the presence of Jesus. People are beat up by drugs and alcohol, and they end up in the presence of Jesus. In abusive relationships, and they end up in the presence of Jesus. They have deadly diseases and problems. They end up at the feet of Jesus. There are people that go through difficult situations, church, today that are there to end up in the presence of Jesus. Do you think if that woman at any other time, if she'd been doing any other thing that day, if she'd been grocery shopping, uh, uh, fetching water at a well, if she'd been doing anything else with her life, would she have ended up at the feet of Jesus? Probably not. 
So many people overlook that part of the story. She was, she was obviously in a very horrible state, a, a sinful place, but that got her to where she needed to be. I'm not saying, I'm not glorifying people's sin. I'm not saying your bad situations are God's plan, but I want you to know something. God's plan was for her to be there that day with those Pharisees and those scribes. No matter what kind of the end of the road scenario that you've got going on, things drive people to Jesus. They do. I've seen some of the, I would say some of the worst people in the world end up in front of Jesus. And they become little babies. They become little babes in Christ. They cry their eyes out. Some of the meanest, uh, saddest people you'll ever see before. When they get at the feet of Jesus, they become different people. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Did y'all hear me today, church? Jesus did not come to, to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy you. He came that you may have life and more abundant life. Better life. Satan wants to destroy you, and Jesus wants you to live. The crowd is asking, what are you going to do about it? We've caught her in the very act. What are you going to do, Jesus? And verse 7 of the Scripture that we read, And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto him, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Y'all hear what he said? He was stooping down, writing in the dirt, and they kept asking him questions. What did Jesus do? He stood straight up. Looked at him. <laughs> if y'all want to use the law of Moses, let's use the whole thing. Y'all understand what Jesus said? Hey, church needs to listen this morning. He looked at him and said, if you want to use a little verse, let's use the whole thing. Let's back up. Let's look at our own lives. Let's back up for a minute and let's use the whole law of Moses and every law and regulation through this whole thing. If y'all want to be fair now, where's the man at? Where's everything else? Where's y'all's problems at? I'd like to think that maybe if he was writing them Ten Commandments, I think they could see it very clearly. Whatever laws he was writing, whatever he was doodling on the ground, I don't believe that there was not a purpose. He was down there on the ground doing something. Whatever it was, it was real. Hey, if we want to condemn somebody today, church, we need to look at our own lives. I know that I am not without sin. I know that I have committed a, a sinful act. I know that I have done things that I am not worthy to condemn anybody. I know that I'm not. He stood straight up, and if we're going to go by the book, let's use the whole book. If you want to start in Genesis and go to the end of Revelation and find where you are perfect and holy and you don't deserve judgment, let's judge you. In so many ways today, church, just as Jesus is writing, He places the question to them. After they've already told Him, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? He turns around and says, what are y'all going to do about it? What are we going to do about it, church? We know that we're sinful. We know that we face problems. We know that there are people in the church that aren't living the right life. Should we condemn them? The Bible doesn't say that. Should we quit talking to them? Bible doesn't say that. Should we hate them? Disown them? Bible doesn't say that. This woman was brought in, committed adultery, and I want you to know what happened. After he said, let's, let's, hey boys, 
Let's use the whole book. What do you think happened? It says that they started to leave. <laughs> and I, 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 like, I like how they left. If you look, it's how they left. It says they started to leave. I'll put this in Zach Stone terms. They started to leave, but the oldest one left first. <laughs> Y'all realize what happened there? It doesn't say the youngest. I really like that it. it says that the oldest one left first. And then the next oldest one left. And then the next oldest one. And it even says that the young ones was looking around saying, Hey, we done lost this battle. We got to get out of here. The oldest ones were wise enough to understand they done made a big, big mistake. So he wants to pull out the whole law. He wants to pull out the whole thing. I can't stand against that whole thing, guys. I'm out of here. I can't stand. In so many ways, the wisest one left first, and we see all the other ones follow. And I'd like to think it was because Jesus did something that we are missing in the church. We are. And I'm not saying it's just this one. I'm saying it's almost every one of them. We are missing somebody that speaks words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Jesus didn't stand up and say, yes, according to the law, she must die. He didn't say that. He didn't say, according to the book, it says here that yes, we should stone her. He brought the law to light to help them all realize they have failed. Church today, we have to realize that we fail. We have to use words of wisdom. We have to uh, learn from the Scripture, not just quote word for word what the Word of God says. Understand it so we can tell other people. It upheld the law of Moses, but he required the accusers to stand by the same law. You know, the big thing was he prevented a woman from being stoned to death. That woman didn't have to die. She didn't have to be persecuted. All the accusers were gone. In verse 10 of the same scripture that we've read, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her this. This is what Jesus said to this woman. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He gave her freedom. He gave her no condemnation. He gave her no punishment. He gave her no fine. Jesus forgave her totally. Right there. What a load. This woman was caught in the act, church. Now, I don't think anybody in here has probably caught somebody in the act of something like adultery. I don't believe y'all have ever pinned somebody down and seen it or, or caught somebody in the very act of theft or in the very act of this or the very act of cheating or whatever you want to think about. They caught her. She was dead to right. She was, she was done. Jesus said, you're forgiven. I don't accuse you neither. I don't condemn you either. What a load. He forgave her completely. Now, you may think that, well, Jesus is not taking this very seriously, but He is. Because He says that He does not condemn her, but she, He follows it up with something after He says, I don't condemn you. He says this. In so many ways, He, he tells her to go and sin no 
I don't think, and I don't know what you've done in your life, but I think I can give you words of wisdom today. And I'll only give you words of wisdom. This ain't from me. This is from what I just read. You've made mistakes. You've seen bad things. But the thing is that I get from this Scripture says, just do better. Do better. You're forgiven. Don't worry what others think about your past. From this moment forward, do better. Now, could she live a, a sinless life? No. We know that. We've read from Scripture that it's almost impossible to live a sinless life. But Jesus told her, go and sin no more. Now, why does Jesus say that to her? Because I believe that anything is possible if Jesus is there to help you. Jesus was there to help that woman. Jesus was there in her time of need. Jesus was there when she was caught in the very act of adultery. Uh, she had sinned. She had fallen short. But Jesus didn't condemn her. Boy, we need to take a few lessons out of this playbook. We condemn. I condemn. I say, oh, they shouldn't do that. <laughs> I've been preaching for a few years now. I've heard enough stories, had enough things brought to me. I said, yeah, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> that person don't need to live like that. They've done this thing wrong. That is bad. I can't condemn them. My goodness, I'm just as guilty. He says, Zach, there's different kinds of sin. I want to tell you something. God is looking straight down. I don't believe he sees hardly any difference on our sins between ourselves. We are sinful people. We make mistakes. I don't care what level you think your sin is at. We don't need to condemn anybody. That's God's, that's God's job. When Jesus is brought to this woman, he doesn't condemn her. He says, go and sin no more. As they get a verse of some song ready, I believe that each and every one of us, if we're going through hard times, if we've made, made mistakes, I believe that you can turn your life around right now. Right now. I believe at the feet of Jesus, no matter what you're facing, you can change your life to whatever you want to be. You can be a better person. Uh, uh, you can serve the Lord better. You can live a close to a sinless life. You can be a better spouse, a better mother, a better father, a better friend, a better church member. Uh, you can be a better student, a better worker. It's up to you. We have to ask ourselves, what are you going to do about it? Jesus was asked, what are you going to do about this woman? He says back to them, what are you going to do about this? And I'm going to ask you, church, you're facing hard times. You're facing sinful situations. You are facing heartache and problems. And you're a sinner that has problems. Trust me, you, do, you are. What are you going to do about it? That's the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, church. The best thing to do is go to the feet of Jesus. He won't condemn you. He'll help you. Go to the feet of Jesus, the safest place you can go, and He'll help you. Just as He helped this woman caught in the act of adultery. As we sing, stand, what page you got? 410. Page 410.